This program is brought to you by Abiding Above Ministries. The title of this message is What God Wants From You. What God Wants From You. Sometimes as children of God, and this message is for those who are saved, if you're not saved, maybe God will speak to your heart right toward the end of the message. We'll talk about that. But for the child of God, and that's what the local church is to do, is to teach, exhort, and equip God's children. But sometimes, and we're really seeing this in these days, the things of God become cold in the hearts of His dear children. And uh, when you look at the history of Christianity, when you look at both Old and New Testament and Christian history, you see this always. Right after a time of great prosperity, right after a time of great blessing, people become cold to the things of God. They don't really set out to do that. It's not something they plan to do. It just begins to start creeping into our individuals' lives, and we just kind of cool down. And we follow God at a guilty distance. All of us have done this. Some of us may be doing that right now. Somebody might be moving into it right now. There's just a coldness that comes over us in the things of God. Now, I'm going to read a passage in Deuteronomy, but then I'm going to move from that to one of the minor prophets whose name is Micah. He is the fourth largest of the minor prophets, and uh, he's a contemporary with Isaiah, one of the major prophets, but Micah was more middle class than uh, an upper class type of person. His name means one who is like Jehovah. And so because of that, he was seen as a prophet of Jehovah God. When he would speak, the people would listen to Micah. And so uh, we're going to see in the passage when we read from uh, Micah in a few moments, we're going to see God pleading with the children of Israel, basically saying, what more can I do? Pleading with them. And You may feel that deep in your heart right now. It's like God is pleading with you, saying, what more can I do for you? Why won't you walk with me in intimacy and fulfill what I've called you to do? And so back during this time, Israel, just like America, had become worldly. They had possessions. Uh, They were trading with pagan nations. And so, therefore, they were becoming more and more like the nations around them. After God had delivered them from Egyptian bondage, God had uh, given them the promised land, the land flowing with milk and honey. But now, they're becoming like the nations around them. He gave them leaders like Moses and Aaron uh, and Miriam. They had everything they needed to walk with God and fulfill God's mission for them. And so Israel was coming under conviction and Israel was saying, what would you have us to do? What sacrifices can we offer to you? And you know what God was saying? I don't want your sacrifices. I want you to be obedient to me and walk with me. Now, I want to read a passage in Deuteronomy and then we'll move to Micah. Deuteronomy chapter 10, verses 12 through 13. And now Israel... What does the Lord your God require of you? And ask yourself this question this morning, or maybe you've been thinking along this line. God, there's a lot I don't know, but 
What do you require of me? Listen to this message. And now, Israel, what does the Lord your God require of you but to fear the Lord your God, to walk in all his ways, and to love him, to serve the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul, and to keep the commandments of the Lord and his statutes, which I command you today, for your good. Have you ever found yourself crying out, God, what do you want from me? Now, if you will, turn to Micah. Micah, the minor prophet. Turn to chapter 6 and listen to these eight verses here. And we'll talk primarily on verse 8. Hear now what the Lord is saying. He's saying, Arise, plead your case before the mountains, and let the hills hear your voice. Listen, you mountains, to the indictment of the Lord, and you enduring foundations of the earth. Because the Lord has a case against his people. Even with Israel, he will dispute. My people, what have I done to you? And how have I wearied you? God is saying, what's wrong, Israel? As your God, what have I done to you? I've only blessed you. What is it about me that wearies you? He says, Answer me. Indeed, I brought you up from the land of Egypt and ransomed you from the house of slavery. And I sent before you Moses and Aaron and Miriam. My people remember now what Balak, king of Moab, counseled and what Balaam, son of Beor, answered him and from Shittim to Gilgal so that you might know the righteous acts of the Lord. With what shall I come to the Lord and bow myself before the God on high? Shall I come to him with burnt offerings, with yearling calves? Does the Lord take delight in thousands of rams and 10,000 rivers of oil? What he's saying is this, all these offerings and things, what does it matter? Shall I present my firstborn for my rebellious acts, the fruit of my body for sin of my soul? All these things as offerings that they did back in those days. He has told you, O man, what is good and what does the Lord require of you? And this is the passage. This is the verse. But to do justice, to love kindness, your translation may be a little different here, may be mercy, but to do justice, to love kindness, and to walk humbly with your God. So here's the question. God, what do you want from me? Do justice, love kindness, walk humbly with your God. So that's the first point I'd like to make is this, to do justice. Now, in the Hebrew and the Greek, that word justice means righteousness. It means righteousness. So we're to be righteous people. You know, as soon as you say that in our culture, people automatically say, well, which one of us is righteous? Well, I can tell you. If you're a child of God, you've been declared righteous. You've been justified, just as if I'd never sinned. That is your position in Christ as a believer. Yeah, but Pastor Chris, I've been watching you, and I've been watching those around, and uh, y'all don't look so righteous sometimes. That's correct. And guess what? You don't either. <laughs> you say, well, how can we say that we're righteous? How can we do justice when we're so unlike God, 
And though we've been declared righteous, we sure don't act like it, make decisions like it. All of us could say that. See, our position in Christ, which is eternal, we can never lose this. We've been declared righteous before a holy God. That's how in Jude it says we can, we're going to be found faultless before Him because we're declared righteous positionally. But on this earth, we're not always perfect in all we do. And that's what confuses this world. And that's what confuses our sons and daughters when they see that our walk doesn't line up with our talk. Our standing in Christ is not seen in our condition day by day. That's why he sent the Holy Spirit to do in and through us what we can't do in and through ourselves. And as we obey or abide, his life, that righteousness shines through our life. So the believer's divine life, the life of the Holy Spirit is in us. Our position in Christ, we've been stamped, justified, declared righteous, not based on the work of man, not based on me doing perfectly in all my righteous deeds, but in the finished work of Jesus Christ on the cross. So an unconverted person is totally incapable of producing the kind of righteousness that's talked about here in God's Word. Just cannot do it. To do justice is to do righteous. In other words, to do the right thing, to walk in righteousness. Now, listen to what David says about this in Psalm 51.6. David says, Behold, you desire truth in the innermost being. Instead of watching our actions, we need to focus on the innermost being. Behold, you desire truth in the innermost being, and in the hidden part you will make me know wisdom. So in a sense, what David is saying here is this, that God loves you and me, but God absolutely hates sin. And what God loves, He loves to see us walk in faithfulness in our inward being, So we should come to God asking Him to teach us His wisdom deep in our hearts. Why? Well, let's go back to our text. If we're going to do justice, in other words, if we're going to do what's right, something has to guide us from within, the innermost being, the hidden part, because that determines what happens on the outside, what we say, what we do with our bodies, the way we communicate in all these things. You say, well, how do we do this? Well, the answer is found in Proverbs chapter 4, verses 23 through 27. You say, Pastor Chris, I'm wanting to know, God, what do you want from me? And God is saying, "Uh, I want you to do justice. I want you to live in righteousness. I want you to do the right thing all the days of your life. That's all I'm looking for. You say, well, I can't. He never said that you could. He always said that he would in and through you. But listen, Proverbs 4, 23 through 27. Keep your heart with all diligence. Remember, the innermost being, the inside of you, your mind, your will, your emotions. Keep your heart with all diligence. Like a watchdog, watch over your heart. Why? Because something comes out of your heart. For out of it spring the issues of life. So therefore, put away 
from you a deceitful mouth and put perverse lips far from you. Let your eyes look straight ahead. When I see that, let your eyes look straight ahead, it reminds me of the horses that they have blinders. And all they can see is what's straight in front of them. No matter how they turn the head, all, all they can see is what's straight in front of them. And so we need to have blinders, have spiritual eyes, so that this doesn't cause us to go this way, this look doesn't cause us to go that way. We are to let our eyes look straight ahead and your eyelids look right before you. Ponder the path of your feet and let all your ways be established. Do not turn to the right or the left. Remove your foot from evil. What's he saying? Guard your heart. Keep your heart with diligence. Why? Because what happens in your heart comes the issues of life that's going to affect Every part of you, your inward being, the way you think, the way you feel, the way you respond to life, and even your physical body is controlled by what's inside of you, and we are to keep our heart with all diligence. Now, these verses in Proverbs are the Old Testament counterpart of what Paul says in the New Testament in Romans 12, 1 and 2. Listen to what Paul said to the church at Rome. He said, I beseech you, therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, that you, listen, present your bodies a living sacrifice, holy, acceptable to God, which is your reasonable service. He said, don't be conformed to this world, but instead be transformed by the renewing of the mind. All right. We are to do justice. Basically what that's saying, remember, that word justice means righteous. We are to do what's right. Well, Pastor Chris, is this not legalism? No. Why? Because doing what's right, it is a work of the Holy Spirit inwardly and a work and washing of the Word of God. When we guard our hearts, keep our hearts and minds in the Word of God and let Him control us, what happens? Our heart is pure, righteous, And our actions, our thought processes, even though we stumble and we do not always do perfectly, we know what's right and there's always a reset and we guard our hearts with diligence. And what we're doing is giving our bodies living sacrifice, holy, acceptable to God, with is your reasonable service. Do not be conformed to this world. Because see, Israel, as they traded with pagan nations, they became like the pagan nations. They didn't keep their eyes straight ahead. They became like the pagan nations. And now they're saying they want to offer all these things. And God said, look, what I really want, I want your obedience. I want your heart. Is what he's saying. And so, do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind that you may prove what is that good and acceptable and perfect will of God. So, what Paul is saying is this. Present your entire being to God, your heart, your mouth, your lips, your eyes, and your feet. To do justice, to do right, I have to give all I know of me to all I know of God and let Him so work in the innermost being that the issues of life come out in righteous thinking and righteous acts. The mind is the fountain from which the actions spring. The heart 
is first. It speaks of the inner life, the mind, the thoughts, the motives, and the desires. If the fountain is pure, the stream that flows from it will be pure. If it's defiled, the stream that flows from the heart that's defiled will be impure. Proverbs 23, 7 says, For as he thinks in his heart, so is he. To do justice, to think righteous thoughts, will cause righteous actions. And so we need to remember, God has instructed us to do justice. But God also wants us, number two, is to love kindness. Your translation may say mercy. He wants us to love kindness. That is, to allow the Holy Spirit to fill our hearts with compassion of love to other people. You see, to love kindness is to love mercy. The Hebrew word mercy means tender, loving, kindness, and steadfast love. And that's how we're to operate. God's kindness or mercy is used in the same sense as His grace or His unexpected kindness and mercy towards us. You think about your salvation, our salvation. It says in Ephesians 2, 8 and 9, For by grace, kindness, and mercy. For by kindness and mercy, grace, you have been saved through faith and not that of yourselves. It is the gift of God, not of works, lest anyone should boast. So all of us love to know that I live under a canopy of grace. I can't out the grace of God, and I sure don't desire to try. And when we sin, according to the Bible, grace supra-abounds. We live in grace, that is, mercy and kindness that we've received, we are to love this, to love kindness, to love mercy, to love grace, and be kind, loving, graceful people. And so, you see in this verse, God's grace is expressed in His mercy, His loving kindness, and His steadfast. Now look again at verse 8. Verse 8 of Micah. What does He uh, tell us to do? He says that you're to do justice, and you're to love kindness. Notice, he says, love kindness. This has to do with what's inside of us. If we're not careful, we'll try to have the appearance of being kind. The appearance of showing mercy. What he's saying here is this. Now, this needs to be your disposition. That you are a kind man or woman. I can tell you this, you may know the message of the Spirit-filled life, but if people categorize you as grumpy, you can know this. That's what's flowing out of you. (laughs) Don't be grumpy. Be kind. Be gracious. Be patient with others. And remembering the kindness and the mercy and the patience that God has been with us, remember that. Dwell on that in the innermost being. It'll cause us to be kind, we're to love kindness. When we love kindness deep inside of us, what will happen on the outside, we will show kindness. That is, we'll act on what's inside of us. You say, well, I'm just not too kind. Well, it's going to have to be a change on the inside to be kind on the outside. You think about the Good Samaritan. There he was. There was a man that was beaten up stripped and laid on the side of the road and he was dying 
A priest came by, he crossed the other side of the road and kept on going. A Levite came and he saw him and he crossed the road and he kept going. But then the Samaritan came. And you know the Jews did not like Samaritans. What did he do? He stopped. He helped them. He nursed them. Put them in an inn. Gave them money to keep him until he came back. Said, if the bill's any more, I'll pay you then. That is a picture of grace. That is a picture of love. That is a picture of kindness. And we are exhorted to do justice and to love kindness. Think about the prodigal son. There he was. He had wasted the inheritance that he received from his dad. He totally wasted it. He finds himself slopping hogs in a hog pen. And the Bible says he came to his senses. And he said, I'll go back to my father. And he began to practice the repentant speech, kind of like Israel. We're going to offer you all these things. We're going to do all these things. And God said, I'm not wanting all that. So when you say, God, what do you want from me? If you're not careful, you'll get busy doing a lot of things God never wanted you to do. What he wants you to do is just let him have all there is of you. That's number one. To live righteously by his righteousness. But think of the prodigal son. He came to his senses. He's going back to the father. He said, my father's got everything I need. I'm going back to him. And he starts thinking this. This is going to be the way I'm going to repent. And so the Bible says that when the prodigal was going home, the father saw him a long way off. Why? Because that father had been looking for him every single day like that, hoping that he'd come back. And then when he saw his son's head bobbing up the road there, instead of sitting on the front porch saying, you wait till you get here, boy. He didn't do that. The Bible says he ran to him. That's righteous. That's compassion. That's mercy. That's love. He ran to him, and it wasn't very dignified for a wealthy landowner to run in public. You sent slaves to do that type stuff. And then when he got there, and I'm sure his son was filthy, been slopping hogs and eating hog food. I bet that was really good. He was really defiled. But what? The father fell on his neck and kissed him. And he was trying to repent this speech. I'm going to offer all this repentance to you. And while he's doing that, the father's saying, bring the fatted calf, kill it. We're going to make Mary. Bring the robe, bring the shoes, bring the ring. This son of mine was lost. Now he's found. He's back. We're going to make Mary. And it was like he wasn't paying any attention to his repentance speech. That's God. That is what we should be like to do justice, and to love kindness and mercy. We need to love that first before that comes outside of us. Think about the woman caught in adultery. You know, the Mosaic Law said that if someone caught in adultery, you bring them out to the city in front of everybody and you stone them to death. And so the religious rulers of that time that was controlling the people brought the woman, threw her down, and says, we're supposed to stone her. What say you? Well, Jesus ends up saying, which one of you that has not sinned, you cast the first stone? Well, they're looking at each other because they all knew they had sinned, and most of them knew what one another's sin would be. And then Jesus looked at that woman, and she said, go and sin no more. He didn't say you have not sinned. He acknowledged she did sin. He said, go and sin no more. You know what you see there? You see the righteousness of God. You see the compassion, kindness, and mercy of God. 
And remember that God lives in us by the Holy Spirit. So he forgave her and he showed kindness and mercy. And I don't like to do this very much, but every now and then I'll have this thought. What would it be like if I was not a child of God? Uh, The fact is, all of us, apart from His grace, His mercy and kindness, apart from that, we would all die without Christ and spend an eternity separated from Him. Romans 5.8 says, But God demonstrates His own love toward us. While we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. Jesus said in Matthew 5.7, Blessed are the merciful, kindness and compassion, for they shall receive Mercy. First Peter 3 8. He says, to sum up all of you, be harmonious, sympathetic, brotherly, kind hearted, and humble in spirit. Now that's not a posture, because it's easy to have that appearance. That has to be something deep in your heart. Now if you're troubled this morning, and if I'm troubled this morning, with betrayal, hurt, misconceptions. We have to deal with the innermost being. You remember did a sermon series called Eternal Forgiveness. And I showed what true forgiveness is from the Old and New Testament. And the last message I did was, yes, knowing all that, knowing the blood of Christ, where it all originated from, and I showed the whole picture. We ended up in Hebrews. Yes, sin is under the blood of the Lord Jesus Christ. We know this. We are to forgive, seeing it from an eternal perspective. But listen, in the emotions, the emotions can be hurt by betrayal, by manipulation, by misconceptions. That doesn't mean you have not extended forgiveness. But it does need, you need time for your emotions to heal by the power of the Holy Spirit and the Word of God walking free from that environment and that scenario. Be careful not to nurse a grudge. Be careful not to see those who've hurt you. Under the blood of Jesus Christ, eternally forgiven, standing in His righteousness as perfect as you are, but in the emotions, let the Holy Spirit heal your damaged emotions the way only He can let them be healed. And so, Peter says, all of you be harmonious, sympathetic, brotherly, kind-hearted, grace, mercy, compassion, kind-hearted, and humble in spirit. We need to remember that God's mercy and God's love and God's kindness are eternal. And it's all based on what Christ did for us and what he did as us on the cross. Third and last thing is this. He said in Micah chapter 6, verse 8, the last part of verse 8, he says, to walk humbly with your God. Now, to walk humbly doesn't necessarily mean that you're all bent over doing this and then doing that. And that's posturing is what that is. Humility... To cut to the chase, real genuine humility is simply the control of the Holy Spirit. Because Mr. Humility is the one who lives in us. Because I want to tell you, there's no human being on earth except Jesus, who was both God and man, 
It takes the work of the Holy Spirit. The choosing to say, I'm going to do justice. I'm going to love mercy and kindness and compassion because it's affecting my innermost being. And then your disposition, then the physical part of you, then what you do with your life and the way you are with others, there is humility, but even that brings glory to God because it's not you, but it's Christ in you if it's real humility. And so he says to walk humbly with your God. Now, in the Bible, when it talks about walk, it's talking about your daily living. When it talks about the way in the Bible, it's talking about your future, your path, your life. And so he says to walk humbly with your God. You say, how do you walk humbly with your God? Surrender to the control of the Holy Spirit. Let him have all there is of you. Live and move and have your being in Christ Jesus. Live in an attitude of prayer. You see, you don't have to be on your knees. You don't have to be crying out to God and using all this prayer language that it's archaic. What God would have you to do is just to live and move and have your being in Christ. Pray without ceasing means that my thoughts often turn to God, to God's Word, listening to the still small voice. Because when we're living and thinking this way, what's happening? We're changing from the inside, which has an effect on the outside. And that's how we walk humbly with our God. Now think about this. What we've talked about here is God's justice. We've talked about God's kindness. And we've talked about God's humility. You think about this. The God of heaven sent His Son, Jesus Christ, from the heavens, the perfect heavens, to a world with mankind that are sick with sin. He sent Jesus away to the earth from heaven because of His great love. But there was a purpose for God sending His Son. And it had to do with justice. It had to do with making what's wrong right. And what it is, the Bible says that all of us have sinned and come short of the glory of God. So we come into this world not declared righteous. We come into this world as disobedient children of Satan, dead in our trespasses and sins. And so God looks down uh, from the heavens to the earth with His great love that He has for mankind who do not even want Him. He still sent His Son Jesus to take the sin of all acts of all the world upon Himself. And then Jesus stretched out on that cross with all of the world's sins upon Him, I believe. He died for all sins, once and forever. He cried out, My God, my God, why hast thou forsaken me? What was happening at that moment? Love for mankind was supreme. But at the same time, God's demand for justice was 100% supreme. And it all came together at the cross of Jesus Christ right there in Jerusalem. It all came together. God's love was shown. God's justice was shown in one act at Calvary for all eternity. Amen? And that is the way a person 
can get right with God initially. And that mindset is the same mindset we should operate if we're going to do what's right, to do righteously. And then you think about the kindness and the compassion and the mercy we should show in the midst of this. We can do that by the power of the Holy Spirit who lives within us. The same God that was on the cross, same God who lives in our heart. Jesus Christ died on the cross. The Holy Spirit lives inside of us. God the Father sent God the Son here to show this love, to show this justice, to show this mercy. And then there is humility. Remember, we are to do justice, to love kindness, and to walk humbly with your God. And that is done by the outworking of the inworking and presence of the Holy Spirit. Amen. You've been listening to Abiding Above Ministries with Chris Hodges. If you would like Chris to speak at your church or event, please go to our website, abidingabove.org. God bless you and make you a blessing.